Hello, everybody. This is the Board YouTube channel where we are live with myself, Jacob, and my co-host, Evan Kirk, for another week here where we talk about the NBA. We're going through the biggest stories of the week. We're going to talk about one of the teams that is maybe surprising with how well they're playing, a team that has surprised with how poorly they've been playing. We're going to talk about NBA rookies and perhaps the most polarizing player in the NBA. And after that, we're going to get some of the best season-long best bets courtesy of Kirk Evans alongside me here. He's got four bets for you guys to consider, possibly tail. And before we get started, uh, Mr. Kirk Evans, how are you doing today? How was your week of NBA betting? Doing well. You know, NBA is in full swing. It's been fun. In-season tournaments being fun. Um, it's it's good. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm really in the swing of things now. Feel feel good about it. What's your uh, take on in the in-season tournament as a whole? I'm still on the fence about how I want to think about it, but how, how have you liked it and what's your opinions on it so far? Um, well, first, I'm finally gone to the point where I call it the in-season tournament and not the play-in, so I'm starting to get used to it. Um, I like it. I think it's cool. I think there's a lot of, you know, like anger and vitriol about it. I don't know. I think it's cool. Add new things. Try new things. I wish they would change it up a little bit, maybe make it a little more um, high stakes, make it, you know, worth something. My idea has always been give, you know, 50 grand, 100 grand to every uh, employee for the team. So the, you know, the person who's, you know, the training staff, everyone gets that, which would be a massive part of their salary. And then it would kind of look bad on the players if they weren't really giving their effort. So I just think maybe make it a little more high stakes, but I like it. I think it's cool. You know, I a lot of people have tried to convince me about how you can make it determine more high stakes. I haven't liked any answer until this one. That's actually a very interesting answer that I think the players would really, really not really. I think they'd buy. I think they'd definitely buy in for that. They respect the people in the organization. Like you said, if they're not bought in, then there comes a question: Do you not <laughs> yeah, exactly the people in the organization? So that's yeah. great. And the, the one other addition, and th this just has to come, in my opinion, it's tough because they're regular season games, but they got to go Elam ending. This is the perfect time. At least do it for the, the semis and the finals. Yeah. They got to go Elam ending. This is the perfect time to go Elam ending. Test it out. I think all basketball should be Elam ending. That's another really? story for another day. Whew. But, well, what's the worst part about basketball? The fouling at the end, the, the late game play. You know, this would make every light game way more interesting. Um, so I think they got to go Elam ending. But th those are my two ideas. But overall, I think it's cool. All right. So we'll see how it all goes down. I'm obviously excited for the Vegas games. I'm just interested to see how bought in people are. But again, lots to cover in today's show. Lots of people in the chat as well. Excited for Evan Kirk on the show. Uh, somebody perhaps noticing Adam Saba noticing a new sweater. Is that a new sweater? Evan? It is a new sweater. It is a new sweater. Well, that's great. And it's, it's noticed. He must like it. So I think I've been in the same sweater every episode so far. So got to change it up a little bit. <laughs> Let's go to the first piece that we have for today. Going to go around 30 to 45 minutes. Just go with the flow. See how everything is. We have the 76ers. On the menu, first of all, we talked about them last week as not necessarily a threat to win an NBA championship, per se, in terms of, you know, Boston, Milwaukee. Those teams are clearly better, but they have looked 
outstanding out the gate. Things are starting to really click or things have really clicked with Nick Nurse as the new head coach. They've just defeated Boston in their big test of the season thus far. They're six and one. How much are you buying into the Sixers stock right now, if at all? Yeah, oh, I'm definitely buying Sixers stock for sure. Um, I think Nick Nurse has done an awesome job. I've got some uh, notes written down he- right here. The, uh, in transition, they went from 15.4% last year to now they're running in transition 20.2% of plays. Uh, ISO 11.8% of plays last year down to 7.8% this year. Joel specifically, ISOing 23% of plays last year, now all the way down to 144 I think Nurse has been awesome. I wish I had a, a season-long Nurse Coach of the Year ticket. I think it's okay right now, but I think you could have gotten really good odds earlier. Um, they're, they're really good. I think Maxie's just a better primary ball handler than James Harden is at this point, and everything looks good. There's not so much luck. Their offense maybe has a bit of shooting luck, but, but they look for real for sure. Interesting as well that with that James Harden trade, they acquired the picks and they acquired the picks that they can move to add on to this team. So this is not, this is, I would assume, not going to be the final product over the course of the season. Last week, you had a bit of pushback on saying they could compete with Boston Milwaukee. Has your stance changed in just seven days? Yeah, well, Milwaukee, they could compete with Milwaukee potentially. Okay. Boston is still a juggernaut. They played last night, won last night, great game. Um, but I, I don't – this team can, cannot compete with Boston in my books. But, you know, injuries happen in the playoffs. This team could compete with, you know, Boston with, with an injury. And I think something that didn't really get talked about with the Harden trade is – Harden is terrible on defense. And now they have Maxi at the one, which he's a totally fine defender at the one, but he can't defend the two. They don't need a switch at all. And they they haven't missed a beat on offense. They're better on offense this year than they were last year. They're pretty deep. Covington's good. Batum is good. Oubre's been amazing. Uh, D'Anthony Melton's been kind of bad and, and they've still been awesome. So yeah, I think I think with an injury they could compete with Boston. And right now they could probably compete with anyone else if um if if the playoffs started today, which there's still a long time left. And and you mentioned that they have a lot of picks, they could they could take a big swing. Yeah, I really underestimated. I mean, I'm a big nurse fan. I I was always a fan of Dick Nurse with the Raptors. I understood that. It was time for both parties to move on. The way Nick Nurse put it, it was it was the right time for both parties. Nurse needed to move on. The Raptors needed to move on. But always respected him as a great coach. I undermes- I think I underestimated perhaps how good he was because this was a very broken situation in Philadelphia that he's just turned into an, an immediate threat in the Eastern Conference, which I was not anticipating in any way whatsoever. They've looked great. Embiid looks fantastic, especially when the Wizards don't double-team him for the entire game, even when he has almost 50 points through three quarters, but everything seems to be going really well in Philadelphia. They're going to be an interesting one to look forward uh, to look at for the rest of the season, as much yeah. as it pains and, me to say. <laughs> and quickly, I just want to give nurse some, some love here. Cause I think he got some, some, a bad rap in Toronto at the, at the tail end. And I know players maybe didn't love it. It seemed like they were a, a little sick of them, but Toronto was 12th in offense last year. 12th, I think first or second in offensive rebound rate and 
first in turnover percentage. Nick Nurse kind of knows what buttons to press for which team. Last year, Toronto ISOed a ton because Nurse knew more ball movement. There wasn't enough spacing. We turned the ball over a ton, which is happening in Toronto right now. Yeah. But now he's went to Philly. He knows that we can play a bit more ball movement than they did. I mentioned the stats. Way more transition, less ISO. They're making it easier on Joel. So Nurse, he he was kind of thought of as number one coach in the league. Then the shine kind of came off in Toronto. But the Raptors way overperformed last season. And now even looking this year, it's kind of even becoming more clear how much we overperformed. So, you know, all the credit to Nick Nurse. I don't I want to go as I don't know about completely overperformed last year, like 40, like the team was expected to make the playoffs to went 41 and 41, eliminating the play in tournament. But seeing the product now and seeing like there's some hints. Like the Raptors are four and four now. They I Darko's starting to kind of come off his stance of you have to do, you have to play this way. We have to play half court offense. We have to play this playmaking offense. Last game and a half, he's deviated much more to the transition game, much more of a fast-paced approach, which Wow, look at this. The team with so many great transition players is now scoring a lot more because you're playing to their strengths rather than forcing them to play half court when they don't have any floor spacers. So that's starting to happen for Darko, which is good to see for Toronto. But with Nurse, it's highlighting a lot more right now that he did an incredible job with the team last season. But you're right. There seemed to have been some distaste between himself and the players, which is why I reiterate that time for both parties to move on in that way. But let's move on to the next team, a team that is absolutely not flying this season. I thought they'd be decent even without job, but the Memphis Grizzlies are one and seven worst record in the Western conference. They just lost to the Miami heat one Oh eight to one Oh two yesterday. Uh, I have can John Morant save this team. Well, he's still suspended. It'll be 25 games that he is suspended really eight games into the season. But even so people made a lot of this Marcus smart trade. Like, execs really love Marcus Smart. They love this trade. I never liked it. I did not like that they got rid of Tyus Jones. But talk to me about why the Grizzlies are finding it so difficult to thrive in the non-jaw minutes when they seem to do so well in previous years without him. Yeah, I agree. Marcus Smart trade, I just described as the most overrated player in the league, traded for the most underrated player in the league, Smart being the overrated, KP being the underrated. Um. So, yeah, I think the whole – that narrative of, oh, Memphis is being really good with no jaw really took hold, and I never really bought it. I, I was, I'm on Memphis to not make the playoffs. Memphis underwins. I, I hedged them in the uh, division market as well. I think I maybe was off there. I took the Pelicans. Looks like Dallas is probably the team to have there. But, they yeah, it made sense that Memphis was good with no jaw when they had Tyus Jones, Kyle Anderson, Clark, um, D'Anthony Melton, they were loaded. Now they're giving us, you know, Zaire Williams, David Roddy, LaRavia. They're starting Bismack Biombo. The, 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 the depth has just degraded and degraded and degraded. And now, now they're in really bad shape. They're, they're a pretty terrible team right now. The offense is legitimately very, very bad. I think the defense right now is like 14th. They should be able to creep up into the top 10. I think the defense has been a bit unlucky. 
So I'm probably buying a little bit of season-long Memphis stock right now, just because I think with Ja, they'll be able to get enough shooting on the court. They'll be able to be solid offensively with Ja, and they've proven they can be a good defense with Ja as well. But yeah, this team's in a lot of trouble. It's going to be a very tough time making the playoffs with. And I felt like people were really underselling how important 25 games of Ja is. That is a ton of time. It didn't allow for any uh, injury allowance with then Steven Adams got hurt and then the kind of the team fell apart. But, you know, Bain and Jaron Jackson are also pretty injury prone players themselves. So they're in a lot of trouble right now. They're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I'll give them a little bit of slack in, in that Steven Adams is injured. So Jaron Jackson is playing as the five. There's so much success with him playing as the four last year. Uh, well, they have Biombo playing, but I mean, that's. Biombo starting. Starting. Yeah, but I, I know that's the disaster. I looked. Bismack Biombo played 30 minutes yesterday. It is. It is. We are two months away from 2024. Bismack Biombo played 30 freaking minutes in a basketball game yesterday. Uh, so, so that shows you that Jaron Jackson center minutes are a problem. It's such a problem that they're playing Bismack 30 minutes. I, I stress once again, Zaire Williams. It's just like, uh, we're, we're still, are we still trying to make this thing happen with Zaire Williams? I, I'm just not as convinced. So I'll push back a little, like in the sense that, yes, there's injury issues. Brandon Clark as well, as you said. But even so, one in seven, this is pretty ridiculous. I, I guess with, I, I guess what's going on with this team is that the talent pool from dra- the draft picks have dried up. Like, this is a team that drafts really well. Like, if gr- the Grizzlies trade up to get a guy, then... That was usually a mark that, okay, there's something special here. It worked out with a lot of guys. But then recent years, like David Roddy, I was a humongous David Roddy fan out of college, still needs a bit more time, it seems, or who knows okay. if going to come through. Sorry? He's been okay this year. Yeah. He's like the one guy who's doing okay. But, yeah, I think they drafted Williams, Roddy, and Lor- – I want to say it's LaRavia. Was it's it LaRavia in that draft? Oh, I don't All know the same, same draft. But they traded. Up I think they had body. like three first round picks, three late first round picks. They all drafted them, and they all—they're all just—they yeah. they drafted they kind traded of up guys. They traded up. They traded for guys who they thought, you know, okay, we can get these guys and they can fit in, and they're super low upside, and none of them have really hit. And now they're just not—they just don't have any talent. Like, obviously, it's surprising they're one in seven. But you look at this team; it's where are they supposed to generate offense from? Like. Bain is playing well. Jaron's playing well. They're just kind of bad. They're kind of forcing Desmond Bain into like a, a, a crazy role here. He's averaging 25, not very consistent. He, but he's always been more of a, the complimentary player, kind of like he's like a Clay Thompson type of player where he, he's not initiating the offense, but he can be an all-star with supporting the guy who's initiating the offense. But Tyus Jones, losing him was a problem. Marcus Smart is not picking up the pieces. Injuries everywhere. This is a troublesome situation. And for, like, lower markets, with all due respect to Memphis, it's a small market relative to the NBA. It's going to be – it's hard to just pick it up and get it back again with this team. For it's sure. Tough. For sure. And, you know, Judd's going to miss 25 games. He's going to – it's going to take a little bit for him to get in. The, the, True. If I'm a Memphis Grizzlies fan, the thing that I'm hanging my hat on is the defense is going to be good. And when Ja comes in, okay, then Bain is the third is the second piece. Bain is a really good offensive second piece who's still awesome defensively as well. Then Jaron and Smart can kind of be the third, fourth, 
piece on offense. Jaron can be, have less offensive responsibility, can be one of the best defensive players in the league. Kennard, they need to start playing Kennard more. They need some shooting. They need offense. But, you know, everyone kind of falls into place when Ja comes in on this roster. Yeah. So that's what you've got to hang your hat on. But, you know, does it even matter if you're like 6-19 and 19 when yeah, Ja that's, comes? That's like, the thing. <laughs> they're, like, like they're, they knew he was going to be out. They, they knew this was going to be a thing for 25 games, right? But, I mean, I'm, I'm a massive Ty's Jones fan. So that's, that just makes it even more confusing to me for sure uh, okay. yeah well well if you, if you ask memphis right now or or give them truth serum or whatever who would you rather have marcus smart or tyus jones for these 25 games it's not even close it's tyus jones smart the, afterwards it takes smart's smart. a, a negative 19.9 uh on off right now only worst player on the team is zaire like he's being he's he's just not really a good offensive player you need him to be the fourth best offensive player in the lineup and they and they they're starting Bismack Biombo, so yeah, it's not shocking they're twenty eighth on offense. <laughs> True, oh, I just can't believe that. Uh, okay, before we go to the next point, I want to bring up this. I just made me laugh. I got called yellow, roasting me for wearing wired headphones. <laughs> uh, from Daniel here. First of all, my name's on, my name's on the screen, so don't call me don't call me yellow. Second of all, I used to wear Bluetooth headphones like like Evans wearing for this, but. It, the latency drove me crazy. There's just, I, cause I have audio equipment that I have to hook it up to. There's like a one second delay from the screen to my headphones. And I wear Bluetooth headphones. That's why I wear wired headphones. Just so that's clear. If anybody else had concerns <laughs> over the wires headphones on camera here. Okay. Back to basketball. NBA rookie ladder has been released. We have the top five listed up on the screen here. It's of course, Wembanyama first, Chet in second, Osar Thompson in third, Brandon Miller in fourth, and Derek Lively, surprisingly, is up in fifth. Not surprising the way he's played, but we certainly weren't expecting him to come firing out of the gates. Uh, obviously, Wemba Nyama, I think, obviously has been the most impressive rookie so far. But Has, has he? Has he? I do not hey, think so. Well, who has been the most? Is it Chet to you? Is it somebody else? I, oh, it's certainly not someone else. Look, there's, there's two rookies, and then... Who cares about the rest? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like the, the latter is like the CN Tower is Wemby and Chet, and then we're at the bottom with Asar Thompson. And they can they can reach the top of the CN Tower as well. It makes sense. <laughs> yes. I think Chet's obviously been better than Wemby. I actually don't even think it's been particularly close. Look, Wemby's insane, and he players don't like shooting over him. He's had ridiculous impacts. But Chet is like the most efficient player in the league right now, scoring at similar rates to Wemby, blocking shots. He's playing center. He's just been a far more impactful player. The Spurs, I think, are, have fallen to last in that rating. They're way better with Wemby on, to be fair. But I think that Wemby isn't really going to be a superstar player until they start playing him at center. He's so much better at center. It makes so much more sense. They have him playing like the wing right now. It just doesn't really make sense. Um, so I think Wemby's kind of been, if, if you're looking at uh, career-long trajectory, you wouldn't have moved any of your Wemby projections. It's maybe even higher than, you know, when he was drafted. But for this year, Chet has gotten worse and worse odds in the Rookie of the Year conversation. 
I'm going to buy some of that up for sure. I, I just don't really see how Chet has gotten worse odds for Kadir. He's been, he's, he, Chet has been unbelievable and it's gone way under the radar because Wemby is Wemby. Okay. I'll, okay. I, yeah. For, for as far as it's play, we can, I'll give Chet the credit there, but uh, Wemby's in a much more difficult situation. Like he's playing with Shea as his point guard. Wemby's playing with Jimmy Sohan as his point guard. Even though <laughs> not a point guard, which, by the way, doesn't work. I, I just quickly looked up Trey Jones's on-off net rating. It's four days insane. ago, uh, four days ago, so not quite up to date, but four days ago, Spurs were plus thirty-three with Trey Jones and Victor Wembanyama sharing the court. Um, when anything else. Anything other than Trey Jones on with Wembanyama, they're minus 23 and a half. So yeah. they're obviously way better with Trey Jones on the court. They very much are just shoehorning Sohan into the starting five at point guard because they just feel like they want to play him. But you know, I guess they don't really care about winning. They're just working on the certain players. But Wemby's situation is forcing him to be this lead option doing everything where Chet can just play very much in the flow with everybody else. Do you think that's a significant effect? Yeah. I, I obviously think that's fair. And also just Trey Jones. Like, it's not like Trey Jones is, you know, they have uh, Mike Conley off the bench. Trey Jones is like the worst, point, one of the worst starting point guards in the league last year. And he still has this uh, on-off effect for them. It's, it's, but it's fair. <laughs> I, um, I just don't, I agree with you. It's a harder situation, but the stats aren't even close. Like Chet's averaging the yeah. same amount of points. And he's one of the most – he's not going to shoot this well from three for the rest of the season, but he's one of the most efficient yeah, players right in the league. right now he's 56. Wemby is like – I don't think he knows that he's allowed to not shoot. He, he gets the ball, he chucks no matter where he is, no matter what is on the clock. He is chucking. Like, I, I think he's shooting below 30% hey, from three. If you were that famous, you'd have a green light too. You'd just do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. But if we're looking at the rookie ladder, like, I, I don't know who makes that ladder – I don't really see how. So, Chet. so this is this is the thing you have to be aware of when you bet on awards. You're not betting necessarily on who's going to be better. You're betting on who are people going to vote for. So last year, if you vote, if you bet on Jokic, you're upset because you lost because Jokic was arguably the better player over Embiid. But you would have known people were going to vote for Embiid because of the voter fatigue. So this could be another scenario like that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, but typically and look obviously there have been some exceptions typically the media does a decent job and if the gap is this far between their play right. i think chet has a really good shot but i'm not even i don't necessarily think chet should be the favorite right now by any means but he started the season like plus 200 plus 300 now there are plus 500s everywhere Wemby obviously has injury risk i just don't really see how it's possible that the the gap has widened when chet has been He's playing pr pretty close to all-star level right now. He's probably the second best player on their team. And Wemby is on the worst team in the league. Obviously, he's helping a lot. He, he does some really special things. But he also is shooting like 42% and he's nine foot eight. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I wonder. I want, yeah, you know, you, you talked about him playing as the five. It'll kind of be like AD where he's better as a five, but always wants to play to four or I'm wondering if yeah. Wemby will play like Giannis we're getting him an actual five and letting him just be a help defender 
uh, weak side help defender would be even better for him as well. That'll be interesting to see what Pop does going forward with that. Because who like is it Collins who plays next to him as the five? Not yeah. Not not, not the greatest <laughs> fit anywhere really with this Spurs team. To be fair, but you're right. Uh, Tom McPeak asking in chat is five to uh, five to one on Chet a buy at the rookie of the year number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would play some of that for sure. All right, interesting on that. That is the rookie ladder. Um, I, I kind of wanted to talk about the Pistons, uh, maybe maybe quickly because Marcus Sasser is I think ninth on the rookie ladder. Uh, Ostar Thompson's number three on the rookie ladder, but the Detroit Pistons are still starting. Killian Hayes at the two. Marcus Sasser is better than him, and he's not playing. What? What is the? What is what? What is the affinity with Killian Hayes? Is there something that only like what is Monty seeing that nobody else in the world is seeing? Yeah, well, it's pretty unbelievable that it's now Monty and Dwayne Casey. Uh, maybe a little similar old style coaches, but the fact that he's still starting is pretty unbelievable. But that's kind of the last of Detroit's problems. Who they start, Marcus Sasser or Killian Hayes. You know, it's hard It's hard to get too riled up about that problem. You guys know what I think about Chet. I mean, not about Chet, about Cade. Cade. Yeah. <laughs> My God, Cade has been horrible, horrible. And, you know, the, the situation, the this, the that. I know you didn't ask me about Cade at all. But, yeah, they should be starting Sasser. They should be starting Burks. They should be starting Ivy. They should be starting anyone other than Killian Hayes. But at the end of the day, this – I guess Duran's been good. Um, but the, the, this Detroit team is not really close to anything right now. I think I, I saw a yeah. win total 27 and a half. I didn't look super hard into it. I cannot imagine that under is not a good bet. They're, I have them as the worst team in the league right now in my personal data. They are terrible. Terrible. They're bad. Yeah, it, it's it's an absolute mess there. Uh, what it, I think the, their second highest paid member is their coach as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and we haven't heard anything on Boyan. Nothing. He's uh, their best I player. I believe he's their, most, their highest paid yeah. player. Yeah, he's, he's good. And quickly on Asar, I know people have been high on Asar, and he's been really good at a lot of things. That shot is so bad that if you're a Detroit Pistons fan, you should start preparing for life with Asar Thompson not being able to shoot. I don't know if there's been a guy like Asar Thompson who has maybe he can become a functional catch and shoot player. Maybe. But this shot is it, it needs a total rebuild. It is he has the ugliest misses in the league by far. So, you know, even with all the good that's come with Asar Thompson. My projections maybe will be lower on him than at the start of the year because how bad the shots be. Interesting. I mean, I don't want to count. I don't want to count a guy's shot out after after this. I always want to Lon- if Lonzo can become an a hyper efficient no. three point shooter, I think anybody can do it. Lonzo shot was ne- Lonzo was a good shooter at UCLA. But he struggled early days. Like, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Well, he had the, he had the weird left. He came over his left shoulder. Yeah. But but he had some natural touch, Lonzo. Okay. Whereas Asar, Asar's airballing threes by 15 feet. Look, it's obviously possible. I can't think of a, a, a guy who, who's coming to the league and shot like this. Obviously, he also has the green light. So, 
you know, maybe it looks worse because they're, they're, they're telling them to shoot, but maybe stop telling them to shoot. Maybe, maybe keep it in the holster for now and, and work on it a little bit. I always say, you know, if you're wide open, maybe one or two a game, just, just to, just to see it. Yeah. Right. I think he's gotten up like six in a bunch of games. Uh, I think he's at, I think I just saw he's at 2.7 a game, which isn't ho- horrible. Uh, let's yeah. 17%, I think is what he's shooting now. Yeah, seventeen percent, two point seven attempts per game. It's not. It's not like you want to see what you got for a rookie, but maybe you're right. Pump the brakes a bit. Yeah, yeah. Even the seventeen percent isn't as bad as as just uh, he's airballed shots like I've never seen an NBA player airball. Fair enough. All right, let's keep it moving here. Uh, I want to talk about Cam Thomas because I need you to tell me what I need to think about Cam Thomas here. Is this the? I'm going to frame this very weird way. Bear with me, everybody. Is this the worst consistent 40-point score in NBA history? I have never seen a player who can so often score 40 points. He had 45 two days ago, who is not considered to be a and just any top NBA player in any way whatsoever. He's starting for the Brooklyn Nets right now. Uh, on the screen right now, we have a display of his, his point performances this season. There includes a 45, a 36, a 30, and a 33. He's 48% from the field. He's got every green light imaginable right now, and, he, and he's still playing very efficiently. What do I need to think about Cam Thomas? Is he good at basketball? <laughs> <laughs> I actually he like that, Sorry, that. he is injured right now. He's out for a while, but two weeks. But yes, go ahead. You got hurt last night? Uh, yeah, I just got a, while we were live, underdog fantasy came through and said two weeks for Cam Thomas. Oh, that's interesting. I did not know that. Um yeah, I, I, I like that framing, the worst 40-point score in league history. I think that's probably pretty accurate. Look, he's been decent this year. He does two things well. Since his game's so isocentric, he doesn't turn the ball over at all, and he gets to the line a pretty good amount. But he's been pretty efficient this year, but he's shooting really well on long twos. He pretty much only shoots long twos. He doesn't really shoot threes. He doesn't get to the rim. He's totally unserious defensively. He's in the second percentile in assist to usage percentage. So he can't pass. He can't defend. You know, I, I tweet a lot about unserious basketball players. He was on my unserious um, bench lineup. Some people were saying he needed to be number one. Yeah, he's like, I, I think he'll have a good career as a sixth man. I think as a starter, he's clearly a worse scorer than the really good scorers. But he's also not a good passer. And he's also not a good defender. So, you know, if he's your the problem is if he's your lead guy, you're bad. But if he's not your lead guy, he's going to act like he's your lead guy anyway and take 50 shots a game. So that's why I think that six man role is going to fit for him. That'll work. But yeah, I, I definitely don't look at him as like a top 50 player in the league by any means. Right. It, it's just, it's weird. <laughs> A six-man, he scored 30 points in the first three games of the season or more. He had the 40 bomb. Like, uh, It's just such a strange player because I don't think he should start either. There's all these concerns here. But like, clearly, like, there's been a, like, a lot of different people who have still struggled to want to give him a ton of minutes. So like, if, you're, if he's on a really good team, I don't know how big of a role he has there. I think he's, he's destined for, geez. I guess it's too early to say the Jordan Poole type because Jordan Poole did win. Yeah, I think I think that's a good player, Colin. Jordan Poole's probably more dynamic with the ball, but not as good of a 
like shock creator, I would say. Yeah. Cam Thomas can kind of get to whatever that to that shot he he wants whenever he wants. It's just kind of a bad shot. But the fact that Cam Thomas can get fouled and never turn the ball over, like, you know, if he's does what he's doing right now for a bench unit, that's a really efficient bench unit. But you know, if he's doing what he's doing right now and, and the numbers regress to what they probably will, that's a really bad starting offensive unit. Yeah. So I think, I think the play-in tournament was made for like specific yeah. teams. I think it was made for players like him. He is like just I agree. that 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 bad team that is hanging on for some reason. Cam Thomas is your guy because he's there hanging on as well, and he'll push you to the play-in tournament. And you know what? It's 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 the single elimination basically in some cases. So he'll get you maybe over the line in some of those games. I think that's what he fits. It's, but. Again, it's crazy. This guy scores 40 points so often, and this is how we talk about him. That's what makes this one so strange. All right. Enough on the NBA discussion as a whole. Let's get to the betting. You have four picks that you wanted to discuss for today's show. Four season-long plays, by the way. Nothing on for tonight. If you want to play for tonight, well, actually, the play's gone, but we did do a pick earlier today. If you want daily picks, we have another show on this YouTube channel, the Board HQ, or this podcast feed. Myself and Pips every morning at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. A pick came out today, although Damian Lillard's injury affects Giannis' line a lot, so that play no longer available. But tune into that every morning. Anyways, your first play involves a Thunder, who you mentioned previously. You have them to not make the playoffs, plus 225 at DraftKings. Why are you playing against the Thunder uh, well, a little preface. We did talk about the Thunder. I think it was the first one we did where we said, like, they've never been a winning team. I don't know if we're ready to say all of a sudden this is going to be a playoff team. So interesting price here. Talk us through this play. Yeah, so so the market's really bought into the Thunder a lot through eight games. I, I have not. I, I don't think they're, you know, I think I have them 16th in my um, rankings right now. They've been pretty good. But right now, they're the number one three-point shooting team in the league. They're shooting above 40% from three. They start five guys. None of them I would consider plus shooters. Chet's probably the only one who's a plus shooter for his position. So they're going to really regress down there. And then they're not really particularly good at anything else through eight games. They, on the defense, they've really struggled rebounding. They don't offensive rebound at all. They get beaten up a lot on the offensive glass which makes sense. They're a pretty small team. Chet's not really a center size. This is first year in the league and plus three or or 225. I think that there are clearly eight teams better than them in the West. And it's so early five and three, they've got a few banked wins. Sure. That's fine. But the West is still really good. There are teams that have underperformed so far. I, I don't really see why they're they're dramatic favorites to, to make the playoffs by any means. I think that's a crazy number. There's there's so many like prices, like bets out there that just some things like I just don't notice. I actually couldn't believe when you sent me that earlier today, plus two twenty five. That's crazy. That is crazy. This like what what were they what would they have been preseason? They they, they, they were like plus one twenty. They probably wanted two twenty five to make the playoffs at the start of this. Yeah, season. yeah, that's yeah. crazy. After, yeah, just it like obviously been impressive five and three, but like, can, yeah. can we, can we even just go through the West right now? Like we could probably, we're not going to do it, but we, I think we could comfortably give a list of eight teams. So we feel more confident in to make the playoffs that that's yeah, that that's just a crazy price. I don't think 
you need to have like too much analysis on that. Like that, this team is just not that not good enough. Yeah, to they're okay. They'll probably be in the plan. Agreed. And, and, and then you know, in the plan, like, if they're in the plan, they're yeah, exactly, exactly. So I just don't see it. I, and other than Chet, who's been unbelievable, pretty much everything is has obviously they're five and three. They're fine, but. Shea has actually been dramatically worse. He's getting to the free throw line far less right now. His efficiency is down. Look, I think it'll bump up a bit, but I definitely had some concerns that Shea was going to be, you know, the best foul drawing point guard of all time. I thought that could regress down. It has. Jalen's around the same as he was last year, which is a solid player, but he could have taken a big second year leap. I don't really see it incoming. And Giddy's been terrible. He's his yeah, efficiency is horrible. Giddy. Yeah, I, I tweeted that they should start shopping him for a trade. I absolutely believe that. they He doesn't fit on this team at all. They need shooting. He doesn't shoot. He's just – he's he's regressed from this year. Obviously, still only eight games. But he's just – he's one of those guys who – kind of like Cam Thomas, honestly. He needs a ball in his hands to be – to really emphasize what he's good at. But he's not good enough to have the ball in his hands. So you kind of left, okay, well, now we have a bad defender who can't shoot who's not nearly as good as Shea with the ball in his hands. And then their sixth man is Kaysen Wallace, who's a rookie point guard whose usage percentage is like under 10%. They bring in Ujman Jang, who's like not an NBA player at this point, really could prove to be. Got toolsy, big guy, but not really doing anything for you. And then Isaiah Joe's, yeah, Isaiah Joe's good, but that's just not plus 225 to make the playoffs. <laughs> Come on. To, to, yeah, to not, of course, to not make the to not make class. I like it. Um, another team, you're buying on this team. This team has looked great to start the year, but you're looking at them for an in-season tournament future. So this is strange because you have the Wolves to win their group in the in-season tournament for plus 450 at DraftKings, and you also are going to take them to win the in-season tournament plus 3,000 at DraftKings. Uh, fix my spelling there. But last week, you gave out Warriors to win their group. The Warriors are in the same group as the Timberwolves. So what's going on with this one? For sure. So I obviously I like that I'm on the Warriors because what did I give it out at? Plus 200? Uh, 195 when it was. Okay, plus 195. They're, they're, you can't get them better than two point or than plus 100 right now. So that bet's great. No, you know, that bet can't was complain. Very, going at the handicap, it was influenced heavily by their first game against the Thunder where they the Thunder had. Shea didn't injuries. play. Right, they didn't play. Which the Warriors squeaked out, but yes, off off the strength of that that win, that's why you bet them because now you now you see the prices what they are. But yeah, exactly. So obviously, it's un- I wish both these spots were were in different groups, but you know, value is value. You got to play it. This this again is a ridiculous price. They're getting priced worse than the Kings. Darren Fox probably is not going to play tomorrow. Maybe fifty fifty. I'm buying all the Wolf stock. They're they're the number one D in the league by significant margin. They even have some room to improve on offense. Cats being pretty bad on O as well. This team's absolutely loaded. They were loaded last year. It didn't work. I think this team is really good. And also, Cat and Ant, those are guys who you kind of think are going to go for it in the in-season tournament. So to get them at price worse than the Kings, I, I have them as better than the Kings with the Kings at full strength. And the Kings aren't at full strength. OKC already has a loss. So having them or the Warriors, obviously, if, if somehow we don't win either of those, that'll be unfortunate. But, you know, having a plus 190 and a plus 450 
either of them wins, super profitable. And also, I think the in-season tournament, the Bucks are pricing the the futures as a little too much like the playoffs. Like these are one game finals. Boston's like plus 500 to win the in-season tournament. One game, anything can happen. Philly beat Boston last night. It's not a four to seven game series. There's not going to be nearly as many adjustments. They're not going to deploy minutes as aggressively in the playoffs. So I, I want to buy as many long shots as I can in this in-season tournament. And the Wolves were clearly the number one team to buy um, based on how much they've been better. The, the, the Bucks just kind of haven't really moved off their priors in those in-season tournament lines. And then I like them to win the whole thing as well. I think they've got a great shot. I think this is definitely a team that like, like if you're struggling to like commit to motivation for the in-season tournament, I, this probably a team that would commit to that. If any, for sure. I I watched this team celebrate a play in tournament win two years ago. (laughs) Now, most of that was Patrick Beverly. I'll concede. Obviously he's not there, but I watched this team celebrate a play in tournament win. Like they won the freaking championship. So yeah, they want, they want to win. There's a lot of guys in there who got a lot to prove as well. Uh, That's an interesting team. Quickly, your take on cats fit. Do you think that they're better off maybe trying to move cat to maximize this team? Yeah. Cat's a tough player. He's, he's just really good at what he's good at and really bad at what he's bad at. I definitely thought the fit with Gobert would be better than it is, but I also think he'll shoot better. So I'm not going to write it off yet. And thing is if you're trading cat you're probably trading him at the bottom of his value yeah so i just think ride it out they're five and two they're the best d in the league if you can be the best d in the league with cat in your starting lineup you're in pretty good shape so yeah. i think ride it out he was he's been a 40 percent three-point shooter his whole career so i don't really see why he's lost that he was, i think he shot well in the dominican for fiba as well i think he'll get it going they'll figure out that fit but if they're the number one D, you know, it's not that hard to be the num- number 15 offense with Mike Conley, Ant, and Cat. So number 15 offense and number one D, that is a seriously good team. Yeah. yeah they're an interesting one for the full season. Uh, I always liked the Cat and Gobert. I didn't like the Gobert trade. Nobody did. But Gobert and Cat's fit, I thought, would actually turn into like a regular season win machine. I struggle to see that in the playoffs, but that was obviously Agreed. the case last year. Maybe that's kind of delayed a year. We'll see on them. But let's go to the last pick you have. You're ready to make an MVP claim here, and you have Nikola Jokic. I actually found him for plus 270 at FanDuel. If you have yes. a better price, anybody who found one, I went through a bunch. Let us know. But Jokic to win MVP this early in the season, why are you ready to buy in on the, the Joker to get his third MVP? Yeah. Well, if you know me, you know, I, I think I've tweeted about it. I talk about it all the time. I, so Jokic didn't win MVP last year. Now, looking back, everyone in the collective media kind of agrees that that was an egregious no MVP. So you get now Jokic with the narrative. And also they implemented the 65 game rule where Jokic is by far the healthiest superstar in the league. Pretty much never rests. He's got a bit of a wrist injury right now. So you get the narrative on your side. You get the 65-game rule. And also, you get the fact that he's by far the best player in the league. No one really can even get get close to him at this point. He's had a ridiculous start to the year. They've banked eight wins already. 
all they need to be is like a top three seed in the West and he needs to stay healthy and he'll be the best player and he'll win MVP. Just keep buying, keep buying yeah, Jokic. Anyone selling Jokic stock, I'm buying, I'm buying. I bought before the season. I bought more this morning. I'll probably buy more tomorrow and the next day. I would be stunned if we'd get to the point this year where Jokic isn't a minus favorite for, for MVP. Also, he's he's still, I think the non-Jamal Murray will actually help him. Jamal yeah. Murray not being here. Like, the Nuggets will probably keep winning. And it'll be like, he's, he's still winning yeah. without Jamal Murray. And, like, this team is still good. So, uh, I, I kind of see what you're saying on, on Jokic. Um, everything's there. The Nuggets are the one seed. Yeah, they'll go back to... There'll be a reason to vote for him now because he didn't get it last year, right? Plus 23 on-off differential. We're, we're eight games into the year. It's already plus 23. This, the the on-off impact, unbelievable. They're the best team of all time when he's on, and they're like a middling bad team when he's off. Every year he's putting up those results. He's by far the best player in the league. One of the best regular season players ever. Just just keep buying. Just keep buying Jokic stock. All right. We're right about 45 minutes. Perfect way to end off for the show today. Recapping those bets. It's OKC not to make the playoffs at plus 225 at DraftKings. Timberwolves to win their in-season tournament group at plus 450 at DraftKings. And also DraftKings at Timberwolves to win the in-season tournament at plus 3,000. Final play, as we said, Jokic to win MVP plus 270. Thank you guys so much for the support on today's show. If you did enjoy, you're still here. I see 50 people watching still. Smash that like button. Let's get this this show up to 50 likes for the week. We've had some great support. It's a brand new show on the channel. And uh, so far, based on the views, based on the reactions we have from you guys, so good. So we hope to keep on doing it. Myself and Kirk Evans are back next week, same time, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time for another show just like this one. Maybe we'll have some game day bets as well. It's going to vary from week to week, but we'll always have a show talking NBA stories, talking NBA bets. And if you want more NBA betting, more from the channel, Come to me and Pips on the Pick and Roll live stream every morning on the weekdays at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. Thank you again, everybody. We hope to see you again on the channel very, very soon. But myself and Kirk Evans, we'll see you next week. 